Holy Father, we come before you this morning, Father, thanking you that we have been made in your image, and every person is of sacred worth, and while that image has been scarred and bent and twisted, Father, still there remains in us that of you which is precious and holy. And so we pray this day, Father, a prayer of thanks for those who, because you are a God who has given your very Son to die for our sins, they also in your image, Father, and by that, that sp- your holy spark within them, Father, we're willing to give themselves for the sake of this nation, for the sake of, of future generations, that we might live in freedom. Father, we thank you uh, for the freedoms that we enjoy, but we know that those freedoms, Father, are limited, that those freedoms are not guaranteed that they can take a continual effort by each generation to preserve and protect them. But we also thank you, Father, for the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. Father, it is an eternal freedom, a freedom that removes from us the bondage of sin, that we might live into your glory and as you created us to live. We thank you this day, Father, for all those who have given themselves And have paid the ultimate sacrifice that we might be here worshiping you in freedom this morning. Let us never take that for granted, Father. We pray this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks for this land, this beautiful land that you have given us. In his holy name we pray. And amen. Good morning. Good morning. Let's have our prayer for guidance, please. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. I'm reading today from John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham, and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The Son has a place there forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Doris. I thought I would start with a a story since it's Memorial Day weekend as we're thinking about our servicemen and women and uh, by a United Methodist pastor, Ray Stedman, and he told the stories of some American uh, soldiers who were stationed in Korea during the Korean War. And while there, they rented a home and hired a local boy to cook and to clean for them. Now, these Americans were a bunch of jokesters, and they soon began to take advantage of the young boy's naivete. They'd smear Vaseline on the stove handles so that when he turned the stove on in the morning, he'd get grease all over his fingers. They'd put little water buckets over the door so that he'd get deluged when he opened the door. 
Now, some of y'all are laughing, and I'm worried about you if you think this is funny. Okay. They'd even nail his shoes to the floor during the night. Day after endless day, the little fellow took the brunt of the practical jokes without saying anything. No blame, no self-pity, no temper tantrums. Finally, the men felt guilty about what they were doing, so they sat down with the young Korean and said, Look, we know these pranks aren't funny anymore, and we're sorry. We're never going to take advantage of you again. It seemed a bit too good to be true to the houseboy. No more sticky on the stove, he asked. Nope. No more water on door? Nope. No more nail shoes to the floor? Nope. Never again. Okay, the boy said with a smile. No more spit and soup. <laughs> That's a great story. And as I read it, thinking about the, the topic today, the path to freedom, freedom in Christ, uh, because we, we talk about freedom on this earthly level, the kind of freedom we enjoy in this country because of constitutional guarantees and the law hopefully uh, comes through and upholds those freedoms for us and protects us. But there's also in the scripture a lot said about our freedom in Christ. And I think a lot of times as Christians we are so daily affected by the freedoms we enjoy through the government that that is where our focus is, those freedoms. And we forget that there is another freedom on a much higher plane. And so we live at this lower level like these jokesters. We're living at that level of joking around. But we don't realize as we live our lives at that level that the joke is on us in the end. That we have deprived ourselves of something so precious that can help us through this life. Even though these are spiritual laws that we are free in. But it is a spiritual freedom that can elevate us through the darkest of times. It's that same freedom sometimes we see and we hear in stories and we're, we're confused because we can't figure out how anybody could have happiness and joy in the midst of persecution. We see it in Christians in other lands who are suffering. And they continue to sing hymns to God and to thank God for their blessings. Even though they enjoy none of the freedoms that we have here. We see it in the stories of martyrs. I was reading the story the other day uh, of a Church of England, an archbishop, back during the reign of, of Henry VIII and then Catherine of Aragon who was, who was Catholic. And, you know, England would go back and forth between the Catholics and the Reformists and the Protestants, back and forth. And so he was in kind of a, a, a bad position as the archbishop because uh, he was supposed to support the Church of England, but the Church of England, the rules kept changing. Uh, and so, uh, and, and the ground kept coming out from underneath him. So he determined that the only ground that was firm was his faith in Jesus Christ. And even should his beliefs and his faith in Jesus Christ not be compatible with the current regime in power, he would hold to that until the point where finally, under Catherine of Aragon, he was burned at the stake. And he was burned with two others. And as they came, to, the, to those stakes to be burned, he proclaimed his faith in God that he prayed that the light of their burning would cast a light throughout the land, a light of faith and truth. 
And so we see people who understand that the freedom we have in Christ is precious also. And so we honor those who gave their lives. I don't understand the motivation behind every soldier, behind every person who in battle gave their lives for others. What was, very often we hear that you die for the person next to you. That it's hard to die for uh, a, a country which seems sort of abstract at that moment. But you will give your life for your friend next to you. Uh, and there's something noble in that. Jesus said there's no greater love than that a man give his life for his friends, which was what Jesus did on the cross. And so, and so we have these freedoms, these levels of freedoms, and we need to respect and honor both levels. But we can't live the life of Christ fully unless we understand what it means to truly be free in Christ. Someone uh, compared it to this. He, he said that imagine for a moment that a husband takes his wife out to a nice restaurant for their anniversary. And over candlelight, he looks into her eyes and expresses his love. And he says, You are five foot four. You weigh 120 pounds. You were born in January. You have brown hair and brown eyes, and you live on East Maple Street. All the information you get off of a driver's license. Not very romantic, is it? Sometimes in the Christian life, though, that's, that's how we're operating. We know a few scriptures. We know a little bit of factual stuff about how Jesus died and he rose from the grave. And we've got these little facts there. And if somebody asked us about our faith in Jesus Christ, we might quote back some of those facts. But where's the passion? Where's the love? Where's the understanding that there is a greater depth in this than just some facts? Now the man might have said, you walk in beauty like the night. Of cloudless climes and starry skies. And all the best of dark and night meet in the aspect and your eyes. Now, how different is that? Now, if I did that to Lydia, she'd throw her drink in my face. (laughs) Trying to bring sanity back to me. But this man was romantically challenged when he tried to communicate to her that information that he knew to be accurate, but he didn't do it with depth. He didn't do it uh, with the magnitude and the beauty of his love, his true love for his wife. Uh, Love is more than factual information. Our relationship to Christ uh, is not just poetic beyond factual, but it's mystery and it's depth. Uh, Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. He says there are times when I don't know the words. I can't express my feelings to God. And he says, and that's the moment when the Holy Spirit takes over and interprets to God the feelings of my hearts with words that are not part of my vocabulary. That'd be a great thing, husbands, to say to your wives on Valentine's Day. Say, there are no words that can express my love for you. Any words I use will break under the weight. Now, right there, don't pause because she's going to think you're talking about her weight. But under the weight of my feelings, you know, and you go on with this. But we have to understand that our relationship to Jesus Christ is just not a matter of learning. It's a matter of getting to the core of the truth. Because what makes us free? It's inscribed on many, many uh, public libraries throughout the country. The truth will make you free. And who is the truth? According to the Gospel of John, it's Jesus. 
in the person of Jesus Christ. And so our true freedom comes in knowing Jesus Christ, not just knowing the facts about Him, but having that personal relationship with Him. So I wanted to talk just a little bit in John 8, 31 to 36, which was the scripture that was just read. Jesus is talking to this group uh, of educated uh, Jewish men, and uh, he sort of insults them because he talks about how, how their freedom will come through him. Uh, and, uh, and he said that you are slaves, and they say, hey, we've never been slaves. That's an interesting thing because the Jewish people had been slaves a number of times in their history. Not just in Egypt that we all know that story of being freed out of slavery there, but Babylon and the Assyrians and others, and now they were occupied by Rome and controlled by the Roman government. And yet these men did not see themselves as slaves. That's interesting there because in actuality, they understood that slavery was a state of mind. And the Jewish people, to survive all the times that they had been occupied and controlled by others and taken into slavery, had developed this attitude of, we're free in our spirits. We're free in our hearts. And we can respect that. But Jesus said, no, no, you don't get it. I'm talking about freedom from sin. You were slave to sin, which insulted them too, because these particular Pharisees thought that they had achieved victory over sin. They kept the law. And yet we know according to the gospel, according to Jesus, and according to our own experience, I hope, that all of us have sinned and fallen short. There are none of us who are masters over that. We are all slaves to sin. And when Jesus said, if, if you know the truth, and if you know me, then you will be free. Freedom will come through that. And so anyone, according to Jesus, in this life, who is not living in the freedom of Jesus Christ, is not truly free. We can sing about it. We can give thanks to God for our freedoms. But a lot of us are slaves. We are still slaves to sin. Paul talks about it in Romans 7, uh, which is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. Romans 8 is a favorite of a lot of people, but it's preceded by Romans 7, uh, where Paul talks about his own struggles. And, and, and basically what he's saying is that, that the truth is a spiritual matter, and freedom at its highest level is a spiritual thing. However, I still live in this body. I still struggle. I, I'm still a slave to the impulses and the passions of this body. And so I find myself wanting to do what is right. He says, I want to do what is good. But my body wars against me. And I do what I do not want to do. I'm conflicted. The Spirit of Christ is within me. Pressing me to go on to be holy. And to do what God would have me to do. And yet at the same time, the battle with the, with, the, with the body continues. And so he finally, in this exasperated exclamation, cries out, Woeful man that I am! Pitiful! Conflicted! What can save me from this body of sin? And here's what he says. It's, it's kind of a strange statement. In its simplicity. He just says, thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. Period. That's it. He doesn't say, I have a ten point plan that I'm going to follow. He doesn't say, I've got Dr. Phil and Oprah over here, and I've got all these, these gurus who are going to tell me how to achieve spiritual peace. He just says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Because he knows that ultimately it is only Christ Jesus who can free us. It is only Jesus Christ who can help us to overcome. 
And even if in this life we continue that battle with sin and the body, we know that one day Christ will come and claim us. And we know that it is not our works and our deeds and our goodness that will bring us victorious into heaven, but it is the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross and over the grave for our sake. That's the good news. In the meantime, how do we live out this life? I'm going to give you uh, an Oprah Dr. Phil approach here. Because I think there are some things that, are, that can keep us from growing in Christ and in His freedom that can prevent that from happening. We have to remember that the freedom offered by Jesus is spiritual. It's not a political revolution. Sometimes we confuse that in our society, I think, and uh, it's a very confusing thing. I would, I would love it if all the laws of our land were totally in compliance with God's will. That's what America the Beautiful is about. May, may our will and your will be one. However, as the church, we fight a spiritual war and we, we fight for the souls of men and women apart from the government. Jesus never said to his disciples, go make a pact with the Roman government. Go, go achieve some sort of agreement with Caesar and then my kingdom will come in. But he said, my kingdom will come apart from the kingdoms of this world. And I don't need them. And so ultimately, we pray for this nation, and it's a beautiful and wonderful blessing to live in a nation whose laws are in many ways, not always, we, we fail. Uh, we have had great failures in history where we have uh, uh, institutionalized things such as slavery, institution, institutionalized racism and prejudice at times. Uh, we live right here in Stanton, Woodrow Wilson, who I grew up believing to be one of the great presidents because every president who came from Virginia was a great president, right? And yet historians are conflicted over him because he was a brilliant man who had some great ideas, but at the same time it was under his presidency that segregation was institutionalized in the military and in the government. You know, up to that time it wasn't really all through it, but he made he codified it so that there was truly segregation within many of the institutions in this country. So he has that Princeton University up north doesn't know what to do with him. He was their president <laughs> of, of, that, of that college. What do you do? So we know that. We live in this place where we have fought these battles over history and people, and are, were they good or bad? And so Woodrow Wilson uh, also uh, kind of brought into our nation a time that we have to uh, humble ourselves and ask God to forgive us for And so we have all that conflict going on around us, but we have to remember that ultimately, whether or not Jesus Christ is the path to true freedom isn't something to be debated. It's not something we go to the Supreme Court to decide. It's already decided in the courts of heaven. It's an established truth. We don't have to doubt it and debate it. It's there. And so... Uh, we will always, in the realm of men, have to do our very best to bring about a more perfect union. But we know that Jesus Christ in heaven has already achieved all that we need for us. 
It's not, spiritual freedom is not dependent upon physical circumstances. I mentioned a minute ago people who live in impoverished nations. Haiti, the, 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 the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, you go there and you find people living the Christian life who are free, truly free in Jesus Christ and their, their circumstances, their physical circumstances, their financial circumstances don't play into that joy because they have joy that they are free in Jesus Christ. And they can live through anything because they have that. On the other hand, in this nation, we have many, many people who wear the name of Jesus Christ, who moan and groan all the time about their circumstances. You know, we never have enough. We're always jealous of the neighbor. We're always in conflict with something within us. And we never achieve that true spiritual freedom that Jesus Christ can give us. Jesus' uh, freedom is also purposeful. There is a purpose behind it. Freedom is not a lack of restraint that allows one to fulfill any desire. Do you notice that? Many times people in this country, what we appreciate freedom is it lets us do whatever we want to do. In the way, that's the way you can't, that's my right. You can't tell me I can't do that. That's how we view it. You know, that kind of takes the idea of freedom of, uh, that people died for and takes it down into the mud to be trampled in my mind. But if you say that I have been given freedom so that I might serve others, that I might be a blessing to other people, that I might defend the freedoms of other people who don't have those freedoms, then freedom is brought up to something more divine. And so there is a purpose behind the freedom that Jesus Christ gives us. And that purpose is that we might be a servant to all. Isn't it strange that freedom makes you a servant? But that's what Jesus Christ said. It allows you to live and to be joyful and happy in this life, not dependent upon the things in this life so that you might serve others so that they may be free also. And so that freedom has a purpose. There are some perils to that freedom, and I'll go through these very quickly. The first peril is ignorance. Jesus says, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Being ignorant of the Scriptures, being ignorant of Jesus Christ, not meditating upon Him, not not understanding uh, why He came, truly came for us, is a peril to that freedom. Uh, Arrogance. Uh, The Pharisees in the story in John 8 have an arrogance about them. We've never been slaves. We don't need you. And sometimes people come along to Jesus Christ and they say, I'm not sure what He adds to my life. I'm not sure how He improves my portfolio. Oh, it seems like it's going to take time out of my day. I'm going to have to show up on Sunday mornings. I don't want to do that. And we kind of have an arrogance that I'm good enough without Jesus. And I'm good enough without you. And that was what the Pharisees were saying to him. We don't really need you. We have everything we need in the law. We have everything we need in our own righteousness. And then there's reluctance. Uh, the scriptures always tell us that there were those who chose to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And there were others at times in the Gospels who it says that they believed, but they did not follow. They believed, but they weren't willing to make the decision to put their whole lives into the hands of Jesus Christ. And so when that happens again. We're sacrificing our freedom in Christ. For something else. We're not willing to exchange things that really enslave us. For the freedom that Christ gives us. The next thing is is reluctance. Um, that reluctance to just make that sacrifice. And then the, the last thing is complacency. A lot of us are content with a marginal freedom. You know, we don't want to, uh, uh, to fully 
throw ourselves in. I'm just going to kind of go through life, go through my Christian life doing the minimum of things. And the sad thing there is it's kind of like you go into a buffet and uh, let's say there's this huge room and they got the pizza buffet and they got the seafood buffet with the fried shrimp on it and they got the they just got every kind of buffet you can ever imagine. But before you go into that room, there's a little introductory room. And there they got a little salad bar and it's got uh, peaches and cottage cheese and, and some lettuce. And you go in and you just stop there and all you got is the cottage cheese and the peaches and the lettuce. And I have nothing against those things, that's fine. But you never go on. You never explore the riches of that buffet. And a lot of us are content to, we get our, our names on the roll at the church, we're a member of the church, we're going to sit in the pews and, and that's it. And we're content with that. But, but I know in my own life, when I enter into that great buffet and go in there, it's amazing to me the things that I have in Jesus Christ. That His freedom gives me. It gives, he gives me freedom from fear. I'm a fearful man. I am made with, with fears. And uh, I've shared some of those with you in the past. I've got the fears that are common to all people. And yet Jesus Christ can free me from those fears. There are times when I am so overladen and chained down by those fears, but Jesus Christ will release me from that. There is the fear of not being good enough. But I know that in God's eyes, I'm precious. I know that in God's eyes, I'm always good enough. I don't have to live my life according to the standards of other people. There's a freedom from regret. When, when, when Jesus Christ forgives me, I'm forgiven. And it's quite clean. And I don't have to go back and think about all the things I shouldn't have done. Or the things I should have done. But with Jesus Christ, it's all ahead of me. And it's all in Him. And if I want to do something, and I want to, I want to, to serve Him and glorify Him and honor Him, He'll create the path for me to do that. There are so many ways in which we can live a better life if we were open ourselves to that freedom in Jesus Christ. And my prayer for us this morning is that we all find that path. That path is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth shall make you free. And in His freedom, you will have life. I invite you this morning. We're going to sing uh, what's uh, traditionally been called the Navy Hymn or Eternal Father Strong to Save. And it's a beautiful, honored hymn. And... Uh, We will sing that this morning. But God is the eternal Father who is strong to save you. Not just from the perils of the sea, the land, and the sky in battle. But to save you from the perils of this life. Which so often threaten to overwhelm us. And to enslave us. Amen. I know I've told you this before, but that used to be in our hymnal. And back in 1988, I believe, when they redid the hymnals, they chose not to put it in there. And so in 19, uh, let me see, no, in 2002, when I went to serve down in Chesapeake, with half of the congregation being Navy folks, the first thing I heard was, what in the world were they thinking? They took the best hymn in the whole in the whole hymnal, and they took it out. So we continue to sing it, and you know what they did at that church? They made copies and pasted it into the back of the hymnals. They weren't going to let the church take it away from them. So it's a wonderful hymn. If you ever see the movie A Man Called Peter, 
they have the scene in there, and this was true. He was uh, speaking at the Naval Academy on Sunday, December 7th, when they got the news about Pearl Harbor. He was preaching there, and they sang that hymn uh, as, as their prayer together uh, for, for all those who were at risk at Pearl Harbor and beyond. So uh, a wonderful hymn. As we go forth this day, on this Memorial Day weekend, may our hearts be with those who still grieve the loss of loved ones, who still uh, miss their touch and their presence, but know that they died for a purpose. Go and honor them for the purpose for which they died, that we might be here today worshiping God in freedom. And amen.